Okay, we're um, going to look uh, today uh, at Philippians 1, 21 through 26, and uh, then next week at, uh, to the uh, end of the chapter. And both of these uh, sermons, both of these texts get at fear uh, and uh, what makes us afraid. Uh, Paul's great statement here for him to live as Christ and for him to, to die as gain is a, is a statement basically that he is not afraid. Um, and so as we, uh, as we talk about that, as we dig into that, I think it's, it's good for us, uh, challenging for us. And um, uh, in today's text, basically, that his being unafraid uh, is real freedom. Uh, and so uh, in light of that, let me pray, and then I'll read to you uh, Philippians 1, 21 through 26. Join me now in prayer. Father, we come to you. Uh, you know, we are full of fear, and fear tends to make us cling to things, to grasp after things, to hold things. Um, and yet, uh, what we learn uh, is that the gospel actually frees us to let go, because you hold us, and you will never let us go. And because you will never let us go, it frees us to let go even of our life, because you hold our life for us. And so would you uh, give us confidence and joy, contentment, and freedom in that today? We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So Philippians 1, 21 to 26. Um, text is uh, in the bulletin and up on uh, the screens behind me. Uh, this is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So I'm going to tell you something at the outset of uh, today's sermon that's going to be really hard to believe. And that is that there are people in this world who actually entrust to me and to me alone the care of their 20-month-old for periods of time, at lengths of time. Uh, yesterday it worked out that I had my son-in-law, uh, my, my uh, uh, daughter-in-law and my son uh, had some things to do. Marty had some things to do, and so it was just me and my grandson. He was out of sorts, unhappy, don't know why he was out of sorts. He was out of sorts before he got to me, so it wasn't me. And so um, we, uh, uh, you know, so we have a swing that we put in for him, so we swung. I have a sandbox that I built for him, too, but the weather has made it such that the sandbox probably wouldn't be a great thing to do. So we played with balls. We played with Duplos. Uh, we watched some football. We, uh, and so it was, we were running out of things to do, and so we were outside. And, um, you know, one of the things that uh, is... Um, just unbelievably cool and attractive to a grandson is his grandfather's truck. So I turned him loose in the cab of my truck. 
uh, which is okay. And, and then I began to think, wait, there's pocket knives in here. There's flashlights in here. There's a turkey decoy in here. There's uh, uh, lots of uh, styrofoam Chick-fil-A cups. There are uh, all sorts of things like that. But he did fine. You know, he rolled around in there. And it did occur to me, like, you know, any minute somebody's going to show up and we're out here rolling around in the truck. I, I, I hope that's okay. So uh, it was, it was fine, and uh, he did fine, and he's coming back over today. So, you know, I'm, we'll, do, we'll do something else. Um, got to thinking about that. You know, one, one of the things uh, about that is when you reach a certain age uh, and you've, you've lived some life, uh, you begin to ask the question, like, you know, what, what is there left for me to live for? And that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm depressed or anything like that, but, you know, as I look forward to the remaining time that God has for me, what are some things that are going to get me out of bed in the morning? I love my calling. Uh, and I love the fact that I have an opportunity to bear witness to the point of my life to my grandson. I can read him books. I can pray for him. I can put my hand on his head, I can walk him around, I can show him all the great things that God has made, introduce him to the great things that God has made for us to eat, and all of those sorts of things. And so, as I think about that, I think, you know, that's energizing to me. Uh, that makes me think, you know, I, I, if, if God called me home today, you know, that, that, would be, that, that would be a great thing. I would en- enjoy that. But I have a lot of joy ahead of me, too. Right? A lot of useful labor. Even if you guys fire me today in the congregational meeting, I still, uh, I still have you know ministry to do with the people near and dear to me. And so, I, as I thought about that uh, yesterday, one of the things that occurred to me about that is, you know, the there's great freedom in that. Um, and, and, and I think that's the point, really, that Paul is getting at in this text. Because what he says to us, what he says to uh, the church at Philippi is this. Look, you know, whatever Christ has for me, it's what Christ has for me. And it's good. If he chooses for me to die, then I have joy eternal. And if he chooses for me to stay, then I have fruitful labor. And I can stay and I can work and I can serve you. But the thing to notice about that is, is that whether he lives or whether he dies, it's not ultimately about himself or his autonomy or his fulfillment. It is for the sake of Christ and for the sake of Christ's people. That's a profound thing for us, right? And I think one of the reasons why we miss a lot of joy, one of the reasons why we're not content, one of the reasons why we're not happy is because we're grasping onto things. We think that life can only be uh, lived, life can only be enjoyed if I have this, this thing, and I am going to hold tight to it. And, and, and without this, my life uh, has no purpose and no meaning. But what Paul says is, because I am in Christ, Dying is good, living is good. Either way, I am set free from the focus upon myself. I'm set free from trying to grasp after things that give me, uh, uh, that would, that, that would uh, seem to me that I could wring some sort of life out of. And the fact of the matter is, because of these other things, they, they motivate him, they move him, they set him free. 
He can be joyful as he's chained to a Roman soldier because he realizes that his life is not his own. It belongs to Jesus. And because it belongs to Jesus, whatever Jesus has for him is good. That's a challenge for us this morning. And so I, as, we, as we look at this uh, text and as we think about this today, I want you to, I want you to understand that the, the great news of the gospel and the great news that Jesus gives us is, is that the joy that we have of sins forgiven, the joys that we have of the love of God, the joy that we have of the affirmation from God is for our freedom. And that freedom allows us to take from his hand... What he has for us, knowing that in the end, or in the beginning, it's good. It's great. So uh, you guys can go ahead and put my notes up there, because this is, this is worth us asking, you know, for whom or for what am I living, and for what or for whom am I willing to die? Those questions really matter, and they get at the core of life, they get the, at the core of of who we are and and how we um, uh, how we think about our lives and the things that matter to us and the things that that uh, that are uh, of, of, that are valuable to us. In in the coming days and the holidays, if you have some time off and you're looking for a thing to do that's socially distant, physically distant, because isn't that true? Physically distant means staying away from each other. Socially distant, or no, physically distanced means if I'm with you, I'm six feet apart. Socially distanced means I stay in my house. Isn't that right? Isn't that what that really means? Right? Okay, good. Um, so if you're, uh, if you can't stand being in your house anymore and you want to get outside, go take a walk in Hollywood Cemetery and look at how many places, how many stones have uh, to live as Christ, to die as gain. I, I did that once. You'd be amazed at how many stones in that in that cemetery have that on it. It's a great, great thing to think about, great thing to contemplate. And, and as you walk through there, you see those stones and you think about what must their life have been like? What was that like for them, Right? And so as we un- unpack this this morning, this is a, this is a pretty straightforward thing, right? I mean, the, the fact of the matter is many of us are, are, are afraid. Many of us are afraid of death. Many of us are afraid of, of, of shame. Many of us are afraid of exposure. Many of us are afraid of, of all sorts of things like that. Many, many of us are afraid that if people really saw what happened in our houses or whatever, that we would be undone. But what the gospel does for us and what the work that Paul is, is saying to us here today is, listen, you know, if the gospel is true, if Jesus really did this for you, then you're free and you're free to quit thinking about yourself. You're, quit, you're free to quit thinking that you are the measure of things and that your autonomy is what matters in the world. Actually, what you're set free from is to realize how beautiful the gospel is, how beautiful Jesus Christ is, what it is he has done for you, and the great freedom that you have now to give your life, your money, your time, your energy for him and for his people. I think about this, and I think sometimes if you were to measure for me the length and the breadth and the height of the love of God for me by how much I give and how free I am to live, that is to 
be about fruitful ministry that is giving of my giving my life away. If that were if you were to measure how big the cross is to me by that, you'd think I have a little cross, a little gospel. The world will notice when the people of God are overwhelmed by the grace of God and the love of God and the freedom of the cross manifest in the words, for me to live is Christ. And that means for you, recipients of my life, fruit, grace, joy, change, witness. Uh, in the early days of the church, I got uh, accused often of not being Reformed enough, not being Presbyterian, and actually being accused of being a Lutheran, conservative Lutheran, but a Lutheran nevertheless. And so I think, you know, that uh, I, I love uh, much about uh, Lutheran theology, particularly when it comes to the way they think about uh, uh, the gospel and the way they think about uh, how it works itself out in our lives. Often, oftentimes Lutherans are viewed as people who don't take the law very seriously. That is, the gospel's everything, and the law's only purpose is to uh, tell you you're a sinner and doesn't tell you how to live your life. And it's funny how that works. I, uh, the Missouri Synod Lutheran uh, 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 denomination, they have some things that I, I could never be a part of, but they, they have a lot of things that are great. One of the offices they have is the office of, of deaconess, and I'm not getting into controversy about that. This is just, this is just a statement of fact. They have them, and um, uh, they've had them since the 1870s. Uh, and one of the things that they uh, do uh, is, uh, uh, is they uh, assist the pastors of the church uh, in uh, mercy ministry. It's a full-on office. Well, there's a motto and a poem that uh, one of the theologians who worked on this in the 1870s uh, wrote, and it begins like this. Uh, what is my want? I want to serve. Now, let me just stop right there. Um, when you're laying on your sofa this afternoon and you think, what do I want? besides another cold drink or another chicken wing <laughs> or whatever, what would it mean to say, you know, the desire of my heart because of what Jesus Christ has done for me to live and to, 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 and to live fully into my desires would be to serve. Whom do I want to serve? The Lord in his wretched ones and his poor. And what is my reward? I serve neither for reward nor thanks. My reward is that I am permitted to serve. So this is starting to make me uncomfortable. I read this this week, and I'm like, you know, I don't, this is strong, strong meat for our congregation. It's, it's a lot of law, isn't it? It's a pretty dramatic standard, right? And if I perish in this service, if I perish, I perish, said Queen Esther, right, before she went in to uh, sue the case for her, uh, her people. I would perish for him who gave himself for me, but he'll not let me perish, certainly not ultimately. And if I grow old in this service, then shall my heart be renewed as a palm tree. 
And the Lord shall satisfy me with grace and mercy. I go my way in peace, casting all my care upon him. Right? It's a pretty dramatic thing. I think as Paul is there in that house, chained to a Roman guard, facing an uncertain future, he, his future, it, we think facing an uncertain future, the, the fact of the matter is he knows that, that the, the hand that holds his future uh, is a good hand. And the hand that holds his future is the hand that healed the lepers, the hand that reached out to others. The, the hand that holds his future has a nail hole in it. And that hand frees him to take his own hand and to let go of those things that he grasps after so hard so that he can live as if the gospel were true. And that what Jesus has done by living, dying, and rising again for him is setting him free to be free in his love and his service of others, right? So like a bolt across the sky, Paul writes these words of fearless faith and contentment in the face of suffering and hostility, right? And we're going to talk about that next week as we get into the fact of uh, the reality. What, you know, to, to experience the full freedom of the gospel is, is, is sets us free to actually get in, in uh, uh, conflict with the rest of the world about the nature of life and the nature of the gospel, the nature of God, right? And so, so the, the, the reality here is, is what, what Paul recognizes and what he says to us and what Jesus demonstrates to us is the fact that uh, uh, we are set free not just to live good lives, not just to have better marriages and to raise uh, w- more or, or well-behaved children, but we're set free to love and to serve. One of the things you have to see about this is, is that Jesus Christ himself, right? When, if you were to ask him, like, Jesus, what are, what are you doing here? What, 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 what brought you here? And what, he would, what Jesus would say is that the Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If I say I belong to Jesus, if I say I follow him, wouldn't it look like over time that I begin to look like him? That what my life is about and the work that Christ has done for me is, is that I am set free even in the small ways, even in the big ways, even within the constraints of my life to bear witness and service, right? Maybe you're a mom at home with a lot of kids. What would that look like? I mean, your life, your life looks like service, doesn't it? Maybe you're in an office with people who are grappling and scrapping uh, to climb the ladder. What would that look like? In all of these places, what we recognize and what Paul gets at here is that regardless of, of, of the circumstance that we find ourselves in, our lives bear witness to who it is that we serve and who it is that we belong to. Just as a reminder that one of the things that we, we forget about Jesus and, and our culture is that, you know, the one that we say we belong to, he said these things. He who loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Be faithful unto death and I'll give you the crown of life. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Love your neighbor as yourself. Next one. Um, sell your possessions and give alms. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Whatever you would that people do to you, do so to them. 
Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and mind. Do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing that they can do. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Right? So this Jesus, who is the, the warm and loving and welcoming person that he is, shows us by virtue of the freedom that he died to give us, this is what it looks like. This is what it's about. This is how, this is how life manifests itself, right? So in the gospel, we find Jesus, and in Jesus, we find a reason to live and a reason to be willing to die. And so Paul's so free that regardless of how his life turns out, he's full of joy, right? So I think this is a, this is a challenging thing for us. It's a, it's a hard thing for us. And I want to, I want to break down two, two particular, uh, uh, things about it this morning. And, and one is this, um, you know, uh, uh, someone came up to me after the early service and said, you know, I think my spouse, uh, would die for me, but they won't take out the trash. That was Marty didn't come to the early service, and and in fact I did I brought that took the trash out of the house this morning before I left. So, you know, if you're going to mention something like that, you need to make sure your own conscience is clear first, right? So, um, um, I pondered that uh, a, a little bit. Um, and I think there is a bit of wisdom in that. I, part of the wisdom that I think is in that is, you know, sometimes we think about this, about dying for another person, living for another person, serving them in that way, or being willing to die for them uh, is such a big thing that it's hard for us to imagine what it would be like to, um, well, shake the water out of your toothbrush before you put it in the toothbrush holder so that it doesn't run down and make the bottom of it mildew. I've never mastered that. I love my wife, and she is dear to me, and I think she wishes I would do that, right? So what I'm talking about here maybe not is not the grandiose gesture so much as it is our love drives us to think, even in small ways, how might Jesus be manifest and the gospel be witnessed to in the way in which I serve this person I love? I'm reminded, too, as, as we think about this, what, what it means to live for someone and what it means to, to die for someone. Uh, you know, sometimes we think that... Um, uh, when we think about people that we love a lot, we think, you know, I, I would be willing to die for them. But sometimes, you know, the the fact is willing to, to live even after they've died is, is a great gift. When um, it became clear that my mom was dying and that her kidneys were shutting down, uh, the doctor had talked to me uh, because I guess he had gotten a sense from my dad about how hard-headed he was and that, when we, I sat my dad down with the doctor to talk about this, to, for him to deliver the news, I, I sat next to my dad. I put my hand on his knee, and the doctor said, you know, her kidneys are, are not functioning, and there's nothing we can do about it. She's 86 years old. And so I knew the first thing out of my dad's mouth was, well, take one of mine. 
at 86. And the doctor said, well, it'll kill you. And he's like, I know that. Um, And so that's when I started squeezing his knee uh, because that's my signal to him, like, take a step back, you know, let's, let's catch our breath and let's, uh, let's, let's, let's calm down here. And so I, you know, as I, as time went on after my mom died and uh, just to give you an idea of what this did to him, you know, from that day forward, my dad never slept in their bed again for a year and a half. He only slept in his recliner because he couldn't bear the thought of climbing into the bed they shared for 67 years by himself. And so uh, as, we, as we talked about that, I said, you know, Dad, the, uh, uh, there's a real gift here because uh, in the providence of God, you know, the Lord is going to have you linger uh, because it would have been so much more difficult if you'd gone before Mom. And I said, I don't say that to criticize her or to say anything that would have been difficult about our circumstances, but that's the truth, and so it's a real gift. And he acknowledged that. He, he believed that. And I think he was able to acknowledge that and to believe that because even as devastated as he was, he trusted that Jesus held his life and held her life. And that as he would say to me often, you know, we got to believe that the Lord does all things well. So as, as, we, as we think about this today, you know, the, what the gospel does for you and for me is it sets us free. That's the source of Paul's joy. I would suspect today if you lack joy, it's because you don't feel free. You're afraid and you're a slave to that. You feel put upon. You feel uh, uncertain about the grasp that the Lord has on you. The cross of Christ, the work of Jesus is stronger than any of your fears. And believe it or not, it's even stronger than your selfishness. So that the love of God is so great that it sets us free to be willing to live or to die. Because in either way, Jesus is central to that. And he is utterly trustworthy. Would you pray with me? Lord, we, we need a sense of this today because we are, uh, we forget. We're so busy uh, and we're so overwhelmed with life that uh, uh, this reminder today of what really matters, of uh, thinking through what it means to live, what it means to die in you is so profound. Would you help us? Lord, I pray, too, that uh, for those today who are afraid, that you would grace us with real freedom. The scriptures tell us, Jesus, that uh, a big part of your ministry was to free those who lived their lives in fear of death. And so would you free us from the fear of death, but would you also fear us Free us from the fear of living if we can't live for ourselves. That real life, real joy is found in life in you. Would you do that work for us? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's confess our sins together by using uh, this confession that's printed uh, in the bulletin. 
Pray with me. Almighty God, by the power of your spirit, you raised Jesus from the grave and crowned him Lord of all. You have graciously poured out that same spirit upon your people. We confess that we have not bowed before our Lord or acknowledged his rule in our lives. We have often persisted in ways that lead to death and failed to give him glory. Forgive us and raise us from sin. Give us grace to find our lives in Christ alone. Strengthen us to take up our cross in following Jesus, who rules the world and is head of the church, his body. Amen. Believers, hear these words of encouragement. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life.